1: Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Help us now, Lord, as we do go into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis 48, Genesis 48, verse 17, Genesis 48, verse 17, and we'll read. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people. He also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed him that day, saying, "In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God, make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. Now, we've come to this blessing of the sons of Joseph, and there's just a lot of drama, as you can see here, that's going on here as we see how Joseph, ever the planner. Joseph, ever the person who is thinking his way through all those potential scenarios, he planned carefully, and he taken great pains to make sure that his father puts his right hand on the right person, which is Manasseh as the firstborn. But Jacob does not follow Joseph's plans, and he makes this unexpected move of crossing his hands over like that and puts his right hand on, on Ephraim, the secondborn, and blesses him over Manasseh, the firstborn. And the scene is really tense. When Joseph sees his father Jacob cross his hands, a firestorm starts in Joseph's heart with the words in verse 17, it displeased him. Now I gotta tell you that because Gentiles did this translation, it's very Gentile, it's very gentle (laughs) the way the translation is because the Hebrew doesn't read that at all. The Hebrew reads, it was evil in Joseph's eyes. In other words, Joseph was just enraged at his father crossing his hands, and Joseph then goes in and does something unbelievable. He grabs Jacob's hand to remove it, and, and as he does it, he protests in verse 18 with very stern words which were actually a rebuke to his father, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head, you dummy. I mean, that's really the context here, what's coming across. But Jacob, even though he's a dying man and he barely has enough strength to sit up in his bed, he comes back with a stronger response in verse 19 and says, and his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. You snapper. <laughs> get in place. Now, when you look at this scene here, it's very instructive. It's very instructive for us because it's very instructive for me. Maybe I'm the only one in the room that has ever been like Joseph, to come up with a vision of a plan, get all heart involved in it, get all worked into it, and think it through very carefully, then execute it perfectly. And those are my plans, and I want it to happen this way. And then I present my plan as a prayer to God for his rubber stamp, just to go ahead and bless it. And I go to God with my plans, and I want him just to say, okay, you you can do that. Kind of like going to the zoning department, the building departments in the county of San Diego to get a building permit. And when I go, when I get a building permit and I go down there, I'm not looking for the San Diego, the county of San Diego to give me any advice. I don't want to hear any advice from them. I don't want to hear any changes. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear a refusal. I mean, I just go down there with the attitude of, okay, guys, you have the authority. So here are my perfect plans. Now you just give me the permit and get out of my way. That's what I'm thinking. And that's the way we come to God in prayer. We come to God in prayer so often with our plans, like God is the permit department at the county of San Diego, and when the zoning department says, no, you're too close to the property setback, you're within the setback zone, you you can't get the permit to build, or the building department says, no, that building's too large, you can't build that building, then you, you, you can't get the permit to build that building, and inside I get enraged, I'm like Joseph, the picture of Joseph here with Jacob, and it's just like us when we go to God with our plans and, and God says, no, you can't do that. It's a picture of Joseph here with Jacob. And then the danger is to follow the voice of temptation and say, next time I won't ask for a permit. I'm just gonna go down there and build it myself. And the danger is for us to follow the voice of temptation. Next time I won't go to God in prayer, I'll just do it. And what's needed here is the attitude of what you might call willful submission or intentional submission, purposeful submission, where we say, well, when I go down to the county of San Diego with my plans, I'm not so hard engaged, I'm I'm not so tied up that I wanna build this thing that I can't accept it. No, it's only a request to build, and I'll accept their decision, and I won't stand at the counter and protest and say no and argue to try to get them to change their mind and give, give their permit, I won't try to instruct them as to how they don't know what they're doing and the next time resolve, well, I'm not gonna even come down here and ask for a permit. And when Joseph, what Joseph needed here was an attitude of willful submission where he would say, well, when I go to my father with Manasseh-oriented in such a way for Jacob to put his right hand on his head, I'm not gonna be so hard engaged over it that I cannot accept it. No, it's only a request to have Manasseh blessed as the firstborn, and I'll accept my father Jacob's decision. I won't say not so. I won't grab his hand and hold it up and and, and give Jacob an instruction as to who's the firstborn and who he should he should bless. Uh, I'll I'll just accept the final decision from God, and I won't get in the way. And what we need Is the attitude of willful submission where we say in like manner, well, when I go to my heavenly father with my plans that I've so carefully thought out to go in this direction, to marry this person, to take this partner in work, to take this job, to move into this house, to do this, to do that, whatever I've got the whole, that I've got the whole situation worked out in my mind that I'm not so hard engaged that I won't accept to know. I'll take the position. It's just a request. It's just a request. And I'll accept the final decision from God. And I won't say to God, not so. And I won't try to hold up Jacob's hand as Joseph did and give God instructions as to what he should do and how, and I, and, and I won't resolve next time not to go to God. So when we see this dramatic scene here, that's that of, of really an over heart engagement on the part of Joseph in verses 17 and 18 and 19. That this was evil in Joseph's eyes, and he held up his father's hand, and he says he protests, "Not so, my not so. This is the firstborn. Put your hand, put thy right hand upon his head." When we read that, then we need to see ourselves and say to ourselves, "That's what it looks like when my heart is over engaged in my plans, so over engaged in my plans that I've lost the attitude." with God of willful submission, willful submission. I'm not gonna let that happen to me. I'll see my plans, it's just a request, that's all. Just a request, and and I'll know, like the old TV program said, Father Knows Best, okay? My Heavenly Father Knows Best, right? You all too young to remember my Father Knows Best? How many remember Father Knows Best? Oh, sorry, okay, you're all very old. All right, so... (laughs) All right, so we need to see from this scene that, that that our plans may not be God's plans. And this is what God said in Isaiah 55.8. Isaiah 55.8, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to not rush into God's saying, No, 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 Lord, no. No, this is what you should do. This is what you should do you don't understand you should do it okay now, Jacob gave a reason he had a reason actually for 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 blessing the second born Ephraim over the firstborn Manasseh, and he said that reason in verse nineteen when he said, his father refused and said, "I know it i my son, I know it, he also shall become a people he shall be a he shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he that was his reason because Ephraim was going to be greater than Manasseh. Now here, Jacob, is like, he's, a, he's, a, he's a prophet when he says this, that uh, Ephraim is going to be greater than Manasseh, and that's why he blessed the second-born Ephraim over Manasseh, because this is actually what happened. This is what happened when Moses took the first census of the children of Israel in the desert, in the wilderness, and it's recorded in the book of Numbers well, where else is it going to be recorded? In a book called Numbers, right? So when the numbers were put together in Numbers 133, Numbers 133, it says the, those that were numbered of them, even of the tribe of Ephraim, were 40,500. So that's 40,500. 40,500. Two verses down in Numbers 135, Numbers 135, it says those that were numbered of them, even of the tribe of Manasseh, were thirty and two thousand and two hundred. So there's eight thousand more of Ephraim than there is of Manasseh. Okay, then we read what Joseph, uh, Jacob did, what Jacob did in verse 20. And he blessed them that day, saying, and thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. So verse 20 tells us that Jacob blessed them. In fact, this whole chapter is really about Jacob blessing. Jacob is blessing Joseph, and Jacob is blessing Joseph's two sons. That's what this chapter is about. And it's interesting that there is a verse in the book of Hebrews that comments on this chapter. It comments on this scene, and it's in Hebrews eleven twenty one. Very important verse, Hebrews eleven twenty one. When it says there, by faith, Jacob, when he was a-dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. See, Hebrews eleven twenty one 21 tells about the physical condition of Jacob when it says, when he was a dying, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying. And then Hebrews eleven twenty one tells us what Jacob was doing in this chapter when it says he blessed both the sons of of Joseph, and worshiped. So what this is telling us in Hebrews 11, 21, what we can see for ourselves, is that there were two things that Jacob is doing in this chapter. He is blessing and he is worshiping. As Jacob was blessing, Jacob was saying things like, God Almighty, and appeared to me. And he was saying things like, God Almighty led him, God Almighty fed him. God Almighty redeemed him. The angel redeemed him. God gave promises to him. So what you see here is Jacob, when he is telling all this to Joseph, and and as he's blessing, Jacob is actually worshiping God in this process. He is blessing, Jacob is blessing, but Jacob is worshiping God at the same time when he is blessing. And that's the point of Hebrews 11:21, it's making when it says, "Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped and worship." The point that Hebrews 11:21 is making is to show us what does it look like to bless and worship at the same time. And this is a picture of how we should bless others and how we should witness to others, just like Jacob did, as is pointed out in Hebrews 11:21. We should have our hearts so involved and so engaged in what we're saying that we actually go into a state of worshiping God. Our witness should not be a boring. Christ died for your sins on the cross. That was 2000 years ago. And then he rose again three days later and he is inviting you to be saved. That's not worshiping God. That's just deliver. That's just giving information. It's just delivering a package of information like a UPS driver. And and don't get me wrong. I like UPS drivers because they bring me a lot of stuff. But UPS drivers are boring. Okay. Because they're not worshiping as they're bringing me stuff. And our witnesses, our witness needs to be something along the lines of, what a wonder. Let me tell you about the wonder of how God became a man for one purpose. So, so in other words, it's like, it's like the, like the waiter at the restaurant who's bringing the food and, and sampling it as he comes along, you know? You might find that gross, but he's, he's like, oh, this is great. This is so great. See, part of your plate's missing, you know? Anyway. And, and you go on and you say, he could die in my place. The Lord died in my place. He did this for the purpose so that he could die in my place. He could die in your place for your sins. How marvelous. Let me tell you about the marvel of how God broke through the walls of death and the grave for us when he resurrected on the third day. How gracious now. Let me tell you about the grace of God that he's actually got this door open for you. It's an invitation for you to come to this wonderful savior. That's what it looks like to have such a heart engagement that we actually are worshiping while we're witness, while we're witnessing. We get involved a lot going door to door to the Jewish people. And sometimes they'll sit there and they'll just glare and protest of the audacity for you to come, especially on a Sabbath, on the Saturday, the audacity for you to come and tell them about Jesus. And that's the moment when you see all their sin that you worship God, and as you say to that person, oh, let me tell you, there's unlimited grace of God that he's willing to forgive all your sins, everything that you've ever done, every sin that you'll ever do, it, it, that you'll ever commit, and that's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. And as you're saying that, your heart is so engaged that you're actually worshiping God as you're saying that. And and as that person cusses that and then slams the door and you say to yourself, even that sin too, (laughs) God is willing to forgive because of the power, the mighty power that's in the blood of the Lord Jesus. And you worship God who's willing to forgive that sin. And you thank God that you were privileged on that day to see some of the sin that God's willing to forgive and you worship God. That's what Hebrews 11.21, witness and worship at the same time, looks like. And that's what's described here in Hebrews 11.21, when Jacob was blessing and worshiping at the same time. And when we witness, we should witness in this Hebrews 11.21 way here to witness and worship at the same time. What's needed today is more of this More of this Hebrews 11.21, witness and worship at the same time. More of this Hebrews 11.21, blessing and worship at the same time. And what it looks like to worship in our blessing is we go to bless a fellow believer, for example, who is hurting. And we encourage him by saying, what a compassion that the Lord Jesus actually came to earth for the purpose so that he could feel all the hurt that we experience, as it says in Hebrews uh, 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as as we are, yet without sin. He said, what a great high priest that is. And you tell it in such a way that you're actually worshiping God and worshiping the Lord as you tell it. That's what a heart-engaged witness looks like that of worship, witness and worship at the same time, and you can see this witness in worship in one of Fanny Crosby's hymns, where she is talking about, tell me the story of Jesus, right on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. I mean, she knows the story very well, but she's saying, tell it to me. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain, tell of the grave where they laid him, tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender. Then she writes, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love paid the ransom for me. I mean, you know, she, 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 she's saying, I know that story of Jesus, of course I do, but please tell it to me again, because I love, I love for, you, for you to do that. And she says, and clearer than ever I see. When I hear it again, I see it. I, I hear it clearer. And just stay a little bit. Let me cry while you say the words, love paid the ransom for me. I mean, I remember I was on a train. I think I've told you this before. I remember I was on a train in a, on a cold winter's day in Germany. And there's nothing like cold winter days in Germany. And I, I had finished a long, hard day of work at the Bering Institute, the Institute for Emil von Bering up in in marburg you may remember well you don't remember and doesn't he invented the uh, uh 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 vaccine for tetanus with horses there's a big bronze horse out there anyway so I worked all day there and i was on my my i was on the train back to my hotel in frankfurt i was alone it was cold it was cloudy before it got dark and then it got dark made it worse there was snow on the ground i was exhausted all i wanted to do was just get back to the soft pillow on the warm bed in the Frankfurter Hof Hotel. And the, and the train stopped at the University town of Gießen, that's what it does. And, and this old German couple got on the train and they sat across from me in the cabin, it's just me and them that I was in, and in German, this old German man starts to tell me the old, old story of Jesus. And I was so tired, I didn't wanna talk, so I didn't tell him I was a believer, I just sat there and listened to the man. And he told me, started out telling me how we all have sinned, and when he got the part about how Jesus died for our sins, he began to cry. As he was telling me, he began to cry. And I mean, he was so heart engaged in what he was saying, And, and as he cried, the tears were streaming down his face down his old wrinkled face, his old wrinkled German face, whatever that is. But anyway, they were streaming down his face as he told me how Jesus willingly died for our sins. Well, when I saw those tears running down his his face the train was pulling into the Frankfurt Hauptbahnhof uh, train station and I got off and I just walked over to the corner of the train and I had a good cry myself. Because the tears of joy and gratitude as I thought about how the Lord willingly, like he was telling me, went to the cross to die for my sins.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Or email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at eight hundred two four seven three zero five one. 247 3051
2: Reach Israel. Join Tom Cancer for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration only $99 includes a 2-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com deeper in god's word with the friendship with god king james version study bible prepared by tom Cantor. this genuine lambskin large print study bible features the history of israel full color timeline and maps frequently asked questions about the jewish messiah prophecy and fulfillment study hebrew root notations and definitions the life study of joseph and so much more Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com.